What is an open relationship? Uh, um, 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 uh, to be honest, I don't actually know too much about them. Welcome to Opened, one woman's hashtag journey to opening your heart, your mind and your legs like never before. You're like actively stepping into something that to a lot of society is just like deplorable. If you really love someone, why would you want to limit them? It's going to bring up the deepest, darkest parts of yourself and lots of trauma. Whose idea is this podcast again? Fuck me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, just cut your chest open, put a mic in front of it and see what happens. This is Opened. As a quick recap from last episode, here's where we're at. We met Dedica Winston, a writer and relationship coach who specialises in non-monogamy and open relationships and is the author of The Good Girl's Guide to Polyamory, which I totally recommend. When I first started reading up on non-monogamy and polyamory and it was really resonating with me, you know, the closest thing I had were like, you know, five people scattered across OkCupid. The weird simultaneous feeling of I've stepped into something that feels right for me and it feels like there's nobody there. Then I tried to talk to Raf about relationship boundaries since it's apparently the number one thing to do in any relationship, but specifically in an open one. But it ended up feeling weird and not hot and then I cried. I think I would feel that it would be hard, like overly romantic dates or like grand gestures, like with other people. I just feel a bit strange about saying this now. Hang on, what's happening? Well, I just, when I was like writing them, it like was a strange thing to like put yourself in like hypothetical situations of like how you can get your heart broken in like 58 different ways. Which was the very moment I realised I wasn't actually setting boundaries. I was in fact setting a bunch of rules, which at their core are really different things. And according to non-monogamous dating coach Jace Lindgren, not really needed in a trusting relationship. I don't think there should be any rules. And I know a lot of people freak out and think anarchy and chaos. But my quick pitch there is if you assume that the only reason your partner treats you well and treats you with respect is because there are rules saying that they can't do otherwise, let's step back and examine that thought because that's a problem right there. So now you're up to date. And welcome to episode four of Opened where there's still a little bit of a shitstorm swirling around my head about relationship boundaries and relationship agreements and what the difference between the two actually are. Agreements are things, you know, that you and your partner mutually agree upon, you know. So this could be something like, hey, like, let's both make an effort if we're on a date and it looks like the date we're going to go home with somebody, let's make an effort to text the other person at home and let them know. Like, hey, actually, I'm going to go home with this other person. And now, again, where it gets tricky is then you need to take the conversation further to be like, okay, well, what happens if that doesn't happen? You know, um, what happens if there's a slip up? Because that happens, you know, we make mistakes and things like that. You know, and again, I think that like a little bit of a litmus test is kind of like, you know, if we're having to establish consequences for an agreement not being honored, that's when we're starting to get into maybe some kind of toxic rule territory. Um, and that's not to say that, like, if someone makes a mistake and doesn't honor an agreement, that that means that you should just be totally fine and have no bad feelings or, or things like that. Like, of course you are, you know. Um, but I think kind of the more important thing with agreements is that it, 
we're coming to the table with this assumption that like we're both doing this in good faith and wanting to live up to these agreements as opposed to the thinking that's kind of driven by this assumption that like if I don't have rules in place, my partner is definitely going to hurt me. Boundaries. The main distinction is that a boundary is something that is made by you, for you, to protect yourself, maintain your sense of self, maintain your sense of safety, maintain your sense of identity, and therefore it's also enforced by you as well. So an example of this being if we're in an argument and the argument gets to the point where we're angry enough that someone drops an F-bomb, let's say, you know, whether it's me, whether it's you, whatever it is, we've gotten to a point where we're angry enough that someone's dropped an F-bomb. Okay, so my boundary is if that happens, I'm going to tell you I need to take a little break and I'm going to take myself out of the room and go for a 20-minute walk. And so that's a little bit different from something like, hey, we're not allowed to drop the F-bomb in a fight. And there could, there could be an agreement of like, hey, let's agree that to the best of our ability, we're going to try to use kind language and not drop any aggressive language during an argument. But then if there's a mistake, because pe- people get angry and we kind of lose our cognition when we're angry, then the boundary is there to protect you. The boundary is something that you can fall back on. It's almost like this last line of defense that you can fall back on that controls your own actions without you having to control your partner's actions necessarily. Aha! I get it now. Oh, I can't tell you how excited I am. I feel like I've cracked a code or something. Like I'm Tom Cruise in that Mission Impossible scene where he's like going through the lasers and shit. Until a few seconds ago, I actually thought boundaries and agreements were basically the same thing. People were just using different words for them. But now I understand that a boundary is something that you make for yourself. And then once you know where your personal boundary line is, you can make an agreement with your partner on things that'll ensure nobody's personal boundary is crossed. Sometimes we don't know what our boundaries are until they get crossed. So that's one way of learning them. That's Stephanie Curtis. She's a sexologist, a relationship coach, and in a non-monogamous relationship herself. I asked Stephanie the best way to figure out your personal boundaries. One thing that I think people can make the mistake with, with open relating is like, and everyone has their different approaches, but it's basically, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to just dive into the deep end and give it my best shot and see what happens. And it can really turn people off this path, I think. And so, as I said, everyone has their own approaches. My approach has been to take baby steps with it. That doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it's not challenging or I'm not pushing myself, but it just means that my my nervous system has a a means to actually um, kind of regulate so that I'm not going into an experience and ending up saying, okay, you know, fuck this. I'm never doing this ever again. So, um, yeah, I think that there's lots of conversations to be had. There's lots of talking about it and nothing ever happening, you know, and, and it can kind of seem like, oh, should I just go for it and, and do the thing? And it's like, what feels, yeah, what feels right for you? If, if jumping into the deep end does, then go for it. But don't do that from a place of thinking that you have to, or, you know, it needs to look a certain way, if that makes sense. So when I say baby steps, I think what I'm speaking about is like having the conversations first getting comfortable with discussing your desires and and attractions towards other people 
feeling how that feels in your system, kind of like, oh, when you said you, you find that girl sexy, you know, I felt kind of this jolt in my gut or my heart kind of, you know, felt a little funny or whatever it is. And just, just being really present and, and with those experiences. This approach that Stephanie described, the idea of taking baby steps, it makes me feel really safe. There's something actually really calming about taking a foot off the gas and taking any pressure off any of these things that Raph and I have been talking about being anything more than that at this stage. Just talking. And good Lord, lucky that both of us love to have a good old chat because I feel like it is all we do lately. Staying up until late in the night talking about hypothetical scenarios. I've clocked to starting to do what Stephanie just described, actually, discussing imagined scenarios and toying with what-ifs and potential citros and then sharing how we think we might react and then being really open with each other about them. Okay, so yesterday something happened for the first time ever. So we were working out. Do you want to tell the story? (laughs) Handball it to me? Yeah. We were working out and... I, out the corner of my eye, saw this really attractive chick rock up to also start working out near where we were and I was just very aware that she was just there. She was stunning. And I think I said to you, I'm like, that girl is beautiful. Is that how it happened? Uh, Is that how it happened? I think so. I was very aware of how beautiful this woman was and then thought to myself, I wonder if I think you have also noticed that. Would you have said something to me if I didn't say anything? Did you say something first? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, I would have. Mm. Was that a new experience for you too? Like being with somebody that you're d- dating and also as a couple checking out a third person? Not so much a new experience. What was new, what was running through my mind was, okay, do we, given where we're at right now and the conversations we're having, do we act on this in this moment? That is a new thing for me. Mm. Yeah, an interesting dynamic to explore of when you're with your partner and you see someone, do you both approach them? Is I, I'm not sure what the, uh, I guess it's the same as just if you're by yourself and you saw someone that caught your attention, the same sort of etiquette would apply. But yeah, that that in itself felt very new because then we did go and speak to her. I was, go- was going to say, so then, uh, then what happened, guys? When I'd said, that girl's really beautiful and you're like, yeah, I know, she's a babe. And we we're like, yeah, okay. And we kind of like both looked at each other and we were still finishing our workout and I just remember kind of like smirking at you, like smiling because I was like, what now? <laughs> you know, like it's being re- recognised and I, and I suppose, yeah, in this kind of open space, the world's kind of your oyster, like in a lot of ways really. Like if you had have said, I'm going to go up and chat her up or you go and chat her up or neither of us had said or done anything, like all of the above would have been great. But to know that there was some kind of like, hmm, you know, I was kind of like internally making that kind of noise to myself and it seemed as though you were too. So then I think you said, should we go, should we go talk to her? And I was like, yeah, okay. But then being in a space where you're doing that with somebody, like I'm not shy, I'll go up and say hello to anybody. But um, knowing that, that your partner is kind of watching you do that or doing it with you is different, I suppose. So then what happened? We both had a chat with a uh, mysterious, beautiful uh, 
woman at the park. When we say chat, it was like a two-sentence exchange. I was like, hey, babe, sorry if this sounds creepy, but like where are your tights from? They're really cool. And she was like, oh, just this Instagram. And I was like, cool, see ya. (laughs) We panicked. (laughs) That's kind of all it was, which in itself I was still like, it was still a thrilling experience. I could have asked like what's the time, which what where are your tights from is basically the same thing. But in it, that as an exchange, that was... That was thrilling enough for the first time. But she stayed with us. She did because then the next day we were on a run together and as we were running it popped into my head to tell you, I said, hey, last night when you were going down on me I thought of Green Tights Girl and then you said back to me. While we were having sex I was also thinking of Green Tights Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about being in sync. How great. But I don't know, I just, I've never been in a position where, and if I'm being hand on my heart completely honest, there have been plenty of times that I've thought about other people whilst I've had sex with somebody else. That's not a new thing, but it's a very new thing to tell that person about the process of thinking about somebody that's not them whilst I'm having an experience with them. And it being a space that's safe to share that. Yeah. Yeah, that felt really new. And also to not just receive a response back that was not one of judgment from you but one of like same (laughs) felt really nice well I think it ties into that what we're going for like not feeling shame around you know moments of sexual attraction inquiry desire um there's a level of openness and I feel kind of realistic expectations set in place between our relationship that when those moments which will arise, arise, you own them and you can share them and it's it's about, for me, it's like seeking, fi- finding pleasure in seeing you have pleasure, either even if it's just as a brief, thrilling conversation around tights, but knowing what's actually going on in your mind in that moment and knowing the effect of that and how that carries on into the physical space we shared that night, that's really arousing for me. Conversations like these ones are fun. They're sexy. They're playful. They actually turn me on like crazy. And hilariously, all we've done is talk. Use words as our foreplay. It feels light to chat like this with Raph, which I must say is a really nice change from the heaviness that still surrounds our ongoing boundaries conversation. I I got your text. You said you wanted to um talk about something important. Yes. Yes. Because anytime I want to talk about something important now, I put a microphone in your face. Yeah. Not sure if you've uh, cottoned onto that. Yeah. You see the microphones come out and you're like, not anymore. <laughs> no. I thought you'd come around to watch Netflix. Uh, no. I... I actually just wanted to talk about that conversation that we had the other week around my like strange lawyer attempt when I, when I came with like a manila folder and printed out rules. The legislation. The legislation. It felt really weird doing that and I think that's what I want you to know. I mean I, I kind of told you then but I've been kind of sitting on that and thinking about it and I just – it feels really strange to me to write a rule and then enforce it on you. Like that's not what I want and I hope that's not what you want for me either. Because no, that no it's, it's not what I want for either of us. I wanted to 
be supportive of what you were doing last conversation, but it did feel a bit jarring. It was jarring because I was like reading out an article. I know I looked prepared, but I wasn't really. I sat for ages thinking about like agreements and rules and all this like different stuff and like in the end I couldn't come up with any. So I copy and pasted it from different websites. You plagiarised your homework. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was the bad student for having a printout. <sighs> well, hey, I appreciate, I appreciate the energy you spent in it. Thank you. I even bought the folder. I know. I bought it on the way here. <laughs> because I really want to – it's really important to me to like really try and like do – a relationship in a different way. It's like stuff we've been talking about. So like I've never I've never done that before. So I was like, okay, well at least have a crack at it. But I don't know if there's a right way to do this. It's just our way to do it. Mm-hmm. I get this is where I get a little confused because I understand the need for boundaries or communication or kind of setting the parameters in which you're gonna embark on this openness. Mm-hmm. I think when I think about boundaries is it's more around practical like sexual health and being safe and respectful to each other in terms of what it looks like to have a an open sexual practice and to have a honest communication with each other around where we're at what we're feeling if there are other people in our lives that are we're spending time with for me specifics over when you tell me this or don't tell me that or like all these like guidelines kind of makes me feel like i'm always going to like fuck it up and do it wrong because there's so much framework around how to do it right. Yeah, that makes me kind of shut down a bit because I'm like, uh, okay. what's the rule around this again? When am I meant to tell you that or when am I not? And then it just kind mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like I'm going to do it wrong. Yeah. Well, what do we do then? Because everybody's like, you need to have the Like I feel like we're leaving ourselves wide open in not having boundaries. But then at the same time, it's been weeks and weeks and I don't have a single one that feels right. So do we just do this without them? There's always going to be boundaries. And if you don't acknowledge them, then I assure you they will bite you in the ass. Well, looks like we're not getting out of the boundaries sit show that easily. Damn. That was Janet W. Hardy, by the way. She's the author of The Ethical Slut and fairy godmother of ethical non-monogamy. But sometimes you don't know what the boundary is until someone steps over it. And then you have to do some thinking about what just happened uh, and how to deal with it, whether you need to change the agreement so that that won't happen again in future or whether you want to tackle maybe getting more accustomed to dealing with it, if, if that's something that you're reacting to and you don't like the way you're reacting to it, then maybe you need to practice some with it. Janet, can you give us an example of what um, maybe in the past one of your agreements have been or an example of agreement? Because I get I get a bit confused sometimes. I know what I want to feel, which is I want to feel safe and secure, for instance. Mm-hmm. But how to articulate that within an agreement, I really struggle to put that in a practical term of how to achieve that kind of feeling so so can you can you help me out here or anybody else wanting to do the same thing of how to actualize something like that well uh you're right the the thing you're struggling with um is that i want to feel safe is not a very good agreement because it's not tangible what you might want to do under circumstances like that 
is sit down and make yourself a list of things that when, when they happen, you feel safe. And that will give you at least a bit of a handle on the kinds of agreements you can make. Um, I was in one long-term relationship where we found out early on that he was uncomfortable watching me kiss someone else on the mouth, um, that that was really hard for him. And so we made an agreement that I just would not do that where he could see it. And we held that agreement for quite a few years. And then he re-examined it and decided, no, that, that didn't bother him anymore. And so we changed that agreement. Um, but also we had one that I didn't like having him sleep over at someone else's place when I was at home by myself. And that agreement lasted with us all the way till we broke up. Um, and that, that agreement lasted with us it was all fine the way to go sleep over with someone else when I was traveling. It was fine for him to go sleep over with someone else when I was traveling, which I often was. But when I was home, I wanted him home with me. And so that agreement stayed put. Taking responsibility for not only knowing how you want to feel, but specifically what needs to happen in order for you to feel that way, it really reframes this idea that relationships are things that just happen to us, that we are passive receivers of how our partners make us feel. But apparently there's a whole other reason that an agreement with your partner is really important. It's bigger than just the two of you now. Open relating means more people may be involved and more people means more feelings to consider. Jace Lindgren explains how having a partner and dating other people at the same time can get really messy without an agreement. So you start dating someone and they say, okay, what are your, what are your agreements? What are your rules? What are your parameters? It's something that is helpful to talk about because there are some questions where it's like, okay, say I've gone on a first date and my partner knows I'm going out on a first date. And I think like, yeah, I don't know how the first date's going to go. You know, we're going out to dinner. So I'll probably be back home, whether that's with you or not, right? I'll, I'll probably be back home at around nine or 10, something like that. And then I'm out on that first date and we really hit it off. Things are going really well. We're super into each other. They ask me to come over to their place. If I haven't talked to my partner about this beforehand, it can kind of be this, well, either I say, yeah, totally, let's do it. And then the next day might have to deal with a partner who's upset or who was worried or who didn't know what was going on or felt like I maybe misled them by saying I'd be home by nine and then I wasn't, right? There's a lot of ways that could go down. Whereas if I had talked to my partner and had an agreement beforehand, hopefully I would either know to say to that to the person I'm on the date with to say, actually, I want to so much, but let's not tonight. Um, but I'd love to see you again. Let's can we schedule for next week? It, you know, if I knew for sure that that was my agreement I made with my partner because I knew that they had something big the next day and they wouldn't be able to sleep if I wasn't there or I needed to get back home to take care of some chores before the morning or write something like that. Or we have an agreement of, yeah, totally. Just send me a text, let me know. Or not even. Or it's like, oh, whatever. I'm going to be you know, playing video games all night with my friends. (laughs) Go do whatever you want. Right? Like as long as I know. So then when I'm with that partner they can have confidence knowing that if I ask you to spend the night and you say yes, that I'm not going to then have to talk to you the next day where you're like, oh my God, my other partner, I came home and they're so mad. I don't know if, I think I have to cancel our date next week because they're so upset. That's what people are worried about when they ask you about your rules and agreements. 
How's your week been? I've been busy recording more interviews for the podcast, lots of insights, mainly that trying to do this without boundaries and an agreement is a really bad idea. Eek, looks like it's back to the drawing board. Oh, really? I thought we decided that things felt best when they were approached with total openness. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But I learned it's not just about us and what works for us since being in an open relationship means that there are other people involved. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. I'm keen to hear what the advice was. Hello, can I ask you a question for a podcast I'm recording about relationships? (laughs) Thanks. Do you know anybody in an open relationship? Uh, I do know only one person um, considering open relationships. I've actually slept with other people who've been in open relationships and them talking about it has made me curious. I do know someone in an open relationship. One of my really good friends, his sister, um, has been in one for a long time. I don't think I know anyone in an open relationship. He's actually just had a kid in her, I guess, main pairing and her other partners have a little bit to do with that kid, but I think now there's a child involved, it's a bit more like a monogamous relationship. Some people, like co-workers and things in the past, but no one that I've really properly known. Um, I think it's all quite new to them and they're kind of picking it out together. But yeah, to be honest, that's the first I've ever heard of it not on a TV show or something like that. So... After banging my head against a wall for months now, I can safely report that when it comes to boundaries and agreements, baby girl has learned some things. I understand the what part. I understand the why part. But I'm still yet to understand the how part. Something that can be helpful is you can also just kind of look to your own personal past, look to your past relationships or even friendships or things like that, you can start to look at, can I think of examples in the past where I felt like somebody crossed a line with me and I wish I'd spoken up or I wish I told them no, or I wish I'd said, no, actually let's do this instead. Or they did something that really ran counter to my values, you know? And while that's not necessarily a perfect litmus test, it's like getting that kind of information can start to give you some clues about what it is that you really value. So for me, like for instance, I had a relationship that ended up being very verbally abusive and very emotionally abusive. And when I look back on that, you know, and I think about my younger self, like I think about all these moments of like, oh my God, like I can't believe I just took that. And it was so upsetting and so hurtful, but I, and you know, maybe I like protested, but I didn't actually enforce a boundary you know, I'm like, I didn't actually take actions to kind of make myself safe and to take myself out of that situation, you know? And so that helps me to know right here today that I'm like, okay, if I'm in a conversation where somebody hurls an insult at me or a very, very clear personal attack at me, I'm going to take myself out of the conversation. That's a start, right? You know, it's a start. I mean, when I'm working with clients, I really love to ask people, you know, my quote unquote magic wand question, which is, you know, when you think about your relationship life or your sex life, or maybe even broader, just your whole life in general. And if you could wave a magic wand over it and have it all looking, feeling, functioning exactly the way that you wanted it to, what does that potentially look like? And, 
you know, that can produce a range of answers. I think it's both important to, you can look on kind of the silly side. Is it like this extreme of like, I want to be, I want to be surrounded by like 20 oiled up Adonises and they just worship me like a princess and a goddess and, and serve me tea. And that's how it is. You know, it's like, and, and it's like, that's really silly and probably not very practical or achievable, but it does unlock a sense of like, okay, but I want to feel a particular way. Maybe I want to feel treasured. I want to feel valued. Or I want to feel like I have my options open, for instance. Or I want to feel like I have variety. And then some people also go to, you know, maybe the dream scenario that's maybe a little bit more practical, which is, you know, I love the idea of I live in my own house and my partner lives in their own house. And maybe we live close to each other, but we have our own space and like we date other people. And maybe we kind of create a little bit of this like community or this little family, you know, but our bond maintains the same, you know, people come up with all kinds of ideas. And I think that's a really interesting place to start of kind of starting with, um, you know, that like if the world was your oyster, where would you go before going to the how necessarily or the practicalities? And then from there, uh, there's also there's this great resource that somebody pulled together. Um, If you Google relationship anarchy smorgasbord, somebody has created kind of this little chart of it's almost like a buffet. It's like all the possible ways that you could relationship with somebody broken up into, are we interested in entangling finances together? Are we interested in sharing property together? Are we interested in just sex together? Are we interested in kink dynamics together? Are we interested in being emotional support to each other? Are we interested in being the person who comes to like family events together? Um, And all these things and kind of the idea being that it's like when you're forging a relationship with somebody, they don't necessarily have to check all those boxes. Ideally, you're both collaborating and kind of come to an agreement of like, okay, this relationship, maybe it's just kind of a like sexy relationship where we play around with some kink and play around with some sex. And then maybe we're okay to cuddle with each other and talk about our, you know, how difficult our days were and help each other out with that. But we're okay with maybe not necessarily having to go meet each other's families for Christmas or, or kind of creating a relationship like that. Um, You know, so again, it kind of comes back around to asking these questions so that you can open up like a palette available to you so that it's a little bit easier to to customize what it is that you actually want. After hearing this from Dedica, I can't tell you how suddenly liberated I feel. For so long, relationships for me have been all in or all out. I'm either the single woo girl shotting tequila on a dance floor, scrolling dating apps every time I sit on the toilet to wait and feeling mildly depressed about it, or I'm snuggling with a man on the couch with prickly unshaven legs in threadbare undies filled with rogue pubes and there's a casserole in the oven. I've never had someone empower me to pick and choose the parts of relationship that I want and then leave the rest. I never knew it was possible to take a paintbrush and start colouring my own relationship life. It seems kind of silly that I didn't notice before, but there's been a whole palette of multicolors available. And instead, I've only been using black and white. Hey, what's up? Hey. Um, well, I just have a question for you. I want to know, are you feeling hungry? got a whole smorgasbord for you but it's not food it's parts of the relationship and we can choose whatever we want uh next time on opened sexual is the next category yeah involving genitals 
anus or orgasms? Yes, and I have a double serving of the anus, please. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. That. You're interested in those? Oh, uh, mm, I'm on the fence. I don't know. Although I maintain that BDSM has a better safety record than skiing, but take your life in your hands and go skiing, you know? <laughs> If you liked this episode of Opened, subscribe to make sure you don't miss the next one. And if you're feeling it, leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help open up this series to way more people. And if you're still looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram. Just search Opened Podcast. Opened Podcast.